Cambridge Insider Podcast time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cambridge Insider Podcast. There's an opening note uh, this uh, this afternoon on a, I suppose, a little bit of a somber note. Um, our co-host, Liana Glass, uh, will no longer be uh, joining us on the Cambridge Insider Podcast. Liana, fortunately for her, um, and we're all really excited for her, has been afforded an, an incredible opportunity um, abroad. Um, actually in London. Um, and, you know, we're all extremely excited. We know that it's something that Liana has been working really hard towards and it's an incredible opportunity for her. Uh, as many of our listeners will know, Liana's incredibly passionate about international education, but also about experiencing different cultures. And I think this um, couple of years that she will spend abroad will be incredibly fulfilling. So we know that she's listening, Liana. A shout out to you and all the incredible work that you did. Um, and we know that you'll be back. You'll be back either as a contributor um, or perhaps a special guest. Perhaps we can pick your brain on uh, some of what's happening in the UK when it comes to education. So we look forward to that day. Um, in the meantime, though, we have, a, as always, a, an episode for you to listen to. And we have an experienced team because yours faithfully, um, Stephen Fannikerk, who is me, for those of you that don't know, will still be here as the uh, host and facilitator on the podcast. And we welcome back for his second on-air episode, executive producer, Dean. Dean, Hello. welcome. Number two for you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. I'm glad to be Yeah. And I know that our... Um, this is fun. Exactly. I'm sorry. I think there were a little technological glitch there. Um, I know that our listeners are uh, exceptionally excited as well because um, in a previous episode, and we'll be discussing a little bit of that, but you shared a lot of expertise there and we got some really good feedback with that episode. So we're excited to, you know, see what you have uh, to share with us today. So specifically today, you and I uh, did some brainstorming and we think that it's an important time for us to update our listeners, um, both school officials and students alike, um, and anybody really listening just on where the market stands at the moment. Um, a lot has happened and we've discussed a lot of what's happened, but specifically the, I suppose the, the recruitment season for spring 2022 and fall 2022 have officially kicked off. Schools are back in session. Dean and I have been working really hard with our school partners to make sure that we are opening up recruitment plans, confirming tuitions, and, you know, essentially recruitment is kicked off. Um, I think, however, a lot of schools are still sort of seeing that lag and not necessarily seeing perhaps as many students as they did, let's call it pre-COVID. So, uh, you know, Dean, let's kick things off there. Um, I, 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 before I want to chat specifically about today's market as we stand right now, I want you to just, I, I want to back up a little bit because I think it provides incredibly important context for us. With the policies um, that we saw break in China, and we had a podcast episode about two or three episodes back that discussed that specifically to our listeners, go and listen to that, some really good information there. What is the latest there? Have things changed? What does it mean for our students and, and you know, in a nutshell for our industry? So uh, that's a really good question. For those of you who did not follow the past two episodes, and we had a two-part special on these new policies in China, and they're extremely important to our industry, to international education, second secondary international education, and even, you know, international education, higher edu international education. Basically, the Chinese government has outlawed, and I'm not being sort of, I'm not exaggerating, they outlawed extra tutoring or schooling 
uh, outside of typical kind of official um, registered schools. And so that means like all of these extra tutoring uh, programs and companies that is, I mean, a billions dollar industry in China, they're no longer able to operate in the same way. They can no, no longer educate students after school on the weekends and such. So it's important to our industry. Why? Because as you all may know, 85 to 90% of students that uh, study abroad in the US at the secondary level come from China. So with that high percentage and the demand still being there, and what's the demand? It's, you know, the parents want the students to study English. The parents want the students to um, be able to have an international education and get ahead and, and just have a leg up and edge over the competition, right? It's a very competitive society, especially uh, from an academic standpoint. So that demand hasn't gone, right? Even if we have these policies, there's still that strong demand. So what are the two only options? The clear options are one, that you go to an international school and you study uh, in an IB program or in a sort of an A-level sort of international program where the student is able to still study English, right? Just in the normal course of school at an official school or that they go abroad. This is why I anticipate in the coming years a boom in international education. So I, and I, I apologize for stopping you there because, you know, this is, and again, we did discuss this previously and, and, and I know you sent through, just before we, we recorded this, you sent through an incredibly good article. We decided not necessarily to go into detail on that article because it is a little bit of what we've discussed before. It's also quite technical. What we will do for our listeners though, because I think it is an important piece of, of material for them to go and read is we'll post that on the show notes. Great, really well-written article. But this seems like really good news. The way you've summarized it right now, really good news for the industry, specifically for us here in the US as schools, as, as Cambridge Network. A am I right in feeling optimistic about this? Yeah, I, I think it's really good news, to be honest with you, because they're basically pushing all of that business towards international or towards uh you know american schools canadian schools australian schools and we all know that american schools have the lion's share of the international education market uh so it, it's literally forcing business our way so it's almost uh, like a boon if you will uh as a result of these policies and and for those of you who may not be aware if you haven't had a chance to look over uh, to, to listen to the previous episodes, why is the Chinese government doing doing this? Uh, the the idea I I that they're stating is that they want to relieve the pressures on students, right? Because there's a lot of pressures on students in China to not only succeed academically but succeed, you know, extracurricularly. And parents are paying a ton of money to these extra programs. Uh, for for educating their students. So the idea is the Chinese government wants to say, hey, look, let's take pressure off and make it so that you no longer have to run this rat race. Let's take this off the table and actually let's promote more vocational um, lines of development so that students don't only think that they need to go to university to succeed or they need to you know, study at an, uh, a school abroad to succeed. 
they can learn a trade and that's as useful as any and this so, is what they're trying to do so many so many philosophical sort of strings that we could tear apart there um because it's so anti what is we've seen in southeast asia but specifically in china for so many years um we won't dulge in you know sort of divulge and and, and delve into that right now but it's interesting that you you mentioned that so all right, so I want to sort of shift gears a little bit um, by saying the following <clears throat> to parents and to students. The options to get top quality education, to get those additional classes, to specifically enroll in a predominantly English uh, program, those options are alive and well, um, specifically in the US. I want to make that clear to all of our listeners. I know we have prospective students. We have those options for you. Um, are we saying that children need to be pressurized and students need to be, uh, you know, pressurized into being top academic achievers? Absolutely not. But we do want to deal with the reality that many families still want that. Many parents still want their students to go out and achieve and be that top academic performer and continue in that vein, as we've seen come out of China for many, many years. So there are those options for our students and for our families. Um, you know, drop us a note if you do want more information across the board. We're happy to have those discussions. On the other side of that, Dean, we've been saying for quite some time to our schools, we're in an incredibly saturated market, not just because of COVID. Take COVID out of the equation for a while. Even before COVID, we've seen this trend for quite some time. Does this change the mindset that schools should have that it is still very competitive and they need to go above and beyond does this take us back to where schools can just sit back and 10 new student enrollments are going to fall in their lap or are we still pretty much where we were yet we probably will see an uptick and and if schools are willing to you know invest time resources efforts then they will reap the rewards well okay two things we'll Highly likely, nothing is definite in any market, highly likely see an uptick, but what's going to happen, it's going to be different than the last boom that we had in 15-16, where a student would walk into an agency, a parent would walk into an agency, and the agent would inform the student and the parent exactly of you know, what the options were, what schools were doing what, and where they were. That's done. The parent and the student are so much more educated, so much more informed. So they will be more selective and they will be more price conscious and we've seen this before so i feel that for schools to think that we're just going to re repeat 15 16 they don't need any marketing they just sit there and the students fall from the sky you'd be sorely mistaken it's not the same market the schools that will best benefit from this new opportunity are the schools that position themselves uh, from a marketing standpoint to make themselves as visible as possible. And what I anticipate is that the majority of students and agents will funnel students to a select few schools. And then a lot of schools are just going to be in, ignored. The 9,000 so or so SEVP certified schools, not all of them are going to get an equal share of this business. And the second thing is that uh, because of the price consciousness, and students' ability to do more research, parents' ability to do more research and to discern good value in terms of, oh, a school in Chicago or a school in Minnesota 
also having a high SAT, average SAT, also having good student support, also having great facilities, and a lot cheaper than that school in New York, a lot cheaper than that school in LA, then price is very important as well. So the, the schools that position themselves to be attractive uh, economically or, or strategically uh, in terms of price, and that get their name out there through uh, funded marketing, like CEM or any other way, those are the schools that are going to benefit from this opportunity. It's interesting. It's it's fascinating to hear that. I, I think to give our listeners briefly just an insight into a, a second tier of that economic uh, sort of table, if you will, uh, you know, what we're seeing now with these policies is typically higher elite, higher education, which we would classify going to America, going abroad to study is an elite higher education goal would really in, in, in places like China not be available to middle class families. They simply wouldn't be able to afford it. Um, and, you know, they, they would get by through the services that they had at home. Now, suddenly with these policies that we've seen being rolled out in China, many of those middle class families that have very select budgets are going, I need other options. That was never an option for me to think about other options. Mine, you know, excuse the language there, but now it suddenly is. So as Dean said, now we're getting to a, a large group of students that will be looking for options outside of China, looking for options abroad um, at a very, very price conscious level. Um, and ultimately, as Dean said, looking for value, um, specifically also because the US is behind when it comes to price. We're very, very expensive market. Um, I do believe we're an elite market. I continue to believe that the US is is an elite market when it comes to 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 education. But Canada, the uh, Australia, the UK often offer you know great value programs at a cheaper price. So we'll be getting those students in. Dean, I want to quickly ask you more specifics. We're, we're sort of running out of time. We've got a couple minutes left here, but. You mentioned these two groups of students or these two things that stu stu uh, schools can offer either. I feel like they they don't have to be two separate schools can offer both, but either we have to price ourselves really, really well um, in order to get those students or we need to or and or we need to do this additional marketing, which positions us better. Is that fair to say that those are the two clear and obvious choices at the stage? Yeah, and I, I and I think we can even get more specific because a lot of times when we discuss pricing with schools and favorable pricing at that. Schools always ask the follow-up, well, how much? What is favorable? And the answer to that, based off of our market research, is between 30 and 35K, all-inclusive. Now, that's not at all possible for every school, and that doesn't necessarily need to be the fact for every school. But that is a median price range that we found that a lot of students and parents are really attracted to. So between 30 and 35,000, uh, just to be more specific. And then the other thing is, yes, for uh, sort of a funded marketing strategy, we have Cambridge Enhanced Marketing, and that is going to leverage social media, that's going to leverage um, sort of uh, platforms like Finding School, like uh, niche optimization, uh, like Facebook in Vietnam, like any other, any sort of type of channel that students and parents use directly, uh, WeChat, uh, you know, any kind mm -hmm. of direct to, to, to direct to customer, direct to client 
facing channel. That's the future. Gone are the days where we have to wait for our uh, middleman kind of tertiary third party agent to introduce these schools and, and get the information that way. We can you can go directly to these students. And I will also say, and, and we had a discussion about this yesterday, um, part of Cambridge Enhanced Marketing specifically, or any type of funded marketing, paid for marketing, is that the market has changed. Forget about the fact that it's just a saturated market and you need to elevate your game. You need to rise to the top somehow. How do you do that? You become more visible. You brand yourself. You get into conversations and into events that cost money, but that none of the other schools are doing, right? That's important. But the market has changed because times have changed. Five, six, ten years ago, nobody in China had that great access to internet, had these this incredible advent of social media and cell phones and technology. So as you mentioned, that face-to-face -face agency relationship would really be the recruitment tool. That is still very much valid and, and still is at play, absolutely. But in addition to that, we've seen this incredible surge of social media where every single student has one of these in his hand and we need to reach them on the cell phone. We need to get somebody who's walking the streets of Beijing listening to a podcast or listening to an open house or a demo class as they walk to school or as they walk to their place of work. That's what we call reaching a target audience. Yep. Dean, I hate to cut the conversation short. We promised our listeners that we do keep these episodes to you know 10 to 15 minutes. You and I will decide, but this might specifically be a topic that we want to delve into a little bit further in, in, in the coming weeks. Uh, any final thoughts from your side as we as we close off today? Uh, no, we're headed into the spring. Uh, and so for schools that are open for the spring, I, if you're if you've never opened for the spring, I suggest that you consider it just because right now a lot of students are still deciding whether or not to come uh, to the US. Right. And uh, one of the reasons is these new policies. So you may get even more spring students than usual. So if you're thinking about getting more students, if you have the ability to onboard them seamlessly into the so the academic year, then do consider opening up for spring because there's a lot of students thinking about it. Absolutely. Well said. Dean, as always, I appreciate you jumping in. Um, the podcast is uh, a go uh, to all of our listeners. We're, we're, we're recording every, every week and there'll be new episodes released to all of the listeners fascinating topic. Drop us a note. We'll make sure to uh, add in a couple of those details on CEM, but also a couple of details on the low cost model, perhaps, as well as the article that we referenced today in our show notes. To all of our listeners, we'll catch you again around the next episode. Bye-bye, everybody.